You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Phoenix Fan Fusion 2019, and I'm here with Jeff Perryman, amazing artist. Have your own uh, chain reaction studios here on the floor. How, how have you found the con so far? The con has been really good. It's been a good, solid con. Yeah. I mean, I know this convention's had problems in the past, and they're trying to recover. And I think they're doing really well in terms of trying to cater to the needs of the different vendors right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like everybody's got a corner space. It's a lot more open. Uh, the crowds have been fantastic. Uh, it, it's just been a lot of fun, especially watching the costumes and things. That's why we kind of get down here and have it. It's like, yeah, we're trying to make money. It's actually a sham. We just want to watch all the costumes go by. <laughs> what, what, have, what have you seen? What costumes did you like so far? I don't, I, you know, I've seen uh, like very odd parents, just some oh, really nice. obscure stuff here uh -huh. and there. Uh, I saw somebody dressed as the computer from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I saw that too. Actually, my absolute favorite role play was we were sitting in here on, I think it was Friday, and we're just like not paying attention, and this group goes by. By rolling this sphere and I realized it was the beryllium sphere from Galaxy Quest and they had the whole crew wow. of Galaxy Quest it was just amazing they did a really <laughs> good job and I was like oh that was cool then the next day they came as the uh, the aliens and they were in full character I was like those guys are great and they did the eh, 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 eh. I was like you guys are too too awesome so and I've seen a lot of interesting Scooby-Doo cosplay so it's, it's been the obscure ones that I really love the most that's awesome so uh, when did you start off with the art I started doing art a long time ago, like high school, like okay. a lot of people, just kind of like, I like to draw. And of course, I'm playing d and I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons since 78. No, oh, I'm original. older than dirt. <laughs> you know, I didn't see that dirt over there, I knew it when I was a wee lad. <laughs> so I started playing D&D, &D, and of course, you don't want to draw your characters and stuff like that. And then I discovered this artist in the Dragon Magazine called Phil Folio. Oh. We all know Phil, he does, you know, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stuff now. Uh, and he inspired me. And in fact, I started drawing more and more, uh, just trying to get better at what I was doing. And I was at a convention uh, in Oklahoma. There was a convention called Ocon. And Phil and Bob Asprin and all those types of people would frequent it quite a bit. And I was playing Gopher. I was running the Gopher Hole back then. And I was out. I knew Phil was there. And I wanted him to see my art. And he had already snuck into the Gopher Hole because some of the guys pulled him in and said, check out this guy's art. And I found him again, and he's like very kind because he'd come back to look at the same art he had just looked at. And he gave me a lot of advice and a lot of uh, you know, encouragement. And then a few years later, I was down at a convention in Dallas, and Robert Asprin was there. Oh. And he says, I want to do breakfast with you. What are you doing with your life? I went, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so that got me to really thinking. And so when the opportunity came out, I had a friend... We had both worked on uh, Starfleet Battles uh, Task Force games. He was doing some cover works, and then there was a project called uh, the Mega Hex Project, and he recruited me to help him out, and so we started working together over the years. 
um, a company called New World Computing wanted to buy and do Starfleet Battles. Okay. So he went out there. He says, I don't know how to work on computers. They said, we'll teach you. <laughs> oh. That was back in the 90s. Okay. I mean, literally. In fact, the first thing I ended up doing as a video game artist was I did the uh, help illustrate the rule book for Nuclear War oh. by New World Computing. And that was my first thing. And then Ken ended up going out there and working for them. And then one Christmas, I called to say, hey, you know, Merry Christmas. He says, hey, we're getting ready to move to Maryland. Why? We're going to work for a company called Bethesda. Oh, okay. Well, let me know if you guys need any help. <laughs> Two months later, he calls me and goes, were you kidding about needing... Like, Would you move to Maryland? I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a game called The Terminator 2029. I was like, I'm down. <laughs> so I picked myself up and I moved to these guys and go work for Bethesda. And, and, and from there, you worked on Elder Scrolls, as you were saying? I was fortunate enough to work on the Elder Scrolls, the arena, which was the first one. And then I always tell this story. The game was supposed to be Monsters of the Gridiron 2. Oh. Okay. So we had finished up Terminator 2029. And at the time, in parallel, there was Wayne Gretzky Hockey. So we pulled over on that, and we started helping finishing up the art for Wayne Gretzky Hockey. Gold. Okay. <laughs> we did that. We're like, all right, what's our next project? And the, the guy uh, who owned the Bethesda came to us and said, we had this game a few years ago on the Macintosh that was really popular called Monsters of the Gridiron, which was a football game. We want you to do Monsters of the Gridiron too. We went, but we're science fiction fantasy artists. Can we do, I don't know, fantasy football? And then they're thinking traditional fantasy football. Right. We're talking elves and orcs. <laughs> and they went, okay, mistake, one. <laughs> So we, we tried to figure out, because we had a bunch of stuff from the, the hockey stuff. We did hockey simulators that were running games in the background. And we were trying to figure out, how can we do kind of like a Blood Bowl-style game? We researched Blood Bowl. We played a lot of Blood Bowl. We all loved Rucker Howard's Flesh and Blood, where you had the quicks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we kind of came up with this idea for this game where you would work your way through the tournaments. We thought, that would be kind of cool. We can do that. Sure, why not? VJ and Julian, who was the lead designer and the lead programmer, we're really good friends, and they ended up playing D&D at home a lot. And they went, we should do an RPG. <laughs> so here we are working away on sports things. We're doing concept like, hey, guys, we're doing an RPG. Wad up that idea, throw it in the trash, start doing RPG stuff. And it was really funny. It just literally, it evolved. I always equated making games back then like the film industry of the 1920s. Mm -hmm. It's just seat of your pants. It's right. like, what What do you mean deadlines? It'll be done when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a concept back then. But uh, so the game evolved quite a bit. In fact, we were doing animations by hand and they would come in and change the whole story on us sometimes. Like, wow. stop it. I now have to delete all this. <laughs> So, yeah, it was kind of fun doing that. I bet you that was a inter very interesting process with uh, having to go back and quit what, what you were doing to redo and Well, like back that. then the game was 320 by 240. No, it's 200 was the resolution oh, of the okay. game. And you only, uh, prior to that, our games you had to do 256 colors. That was it. Whole game. <laughs> Couldn't have any more. We could actually have multiple palettes, but we started off with that restriction. And so trying to find colors to do things was interesting. So people once asked me, why are the Dark Elves blue? And I went, I ran out of colors on the palette. <laughs> and I was like, I'm trying to do these different races. And I'm like, uh, blue, they're going to be blue. They're going to be like blue drow. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so 
It looks like it kind of falls into the the art that you have here is a lot of the fantasy role-playing kind of art too. Right. So over the years, I became a 3D modeler, and so that's really my bread and butter. I became an animator, uh, level design. In fact, I taught a master's degree at the Guild Hall at SMU in Dallas, or actually Plano, but in the Dallas area, uh, in level design. And I also would teach uh, classes on how to 3D model for level designers, and I worked in 3D Studio Max. So I'm a cartoonist. I always go for the laugh in my D&D games over the drama. I will always go for the laugh. Nice. And so I started drawing. Remember when I was drawing back in high school? Right. I started drawing my character, Boris. Okay. And um, Boric. Man, I play a character <laughs> named Boris. It's Boric. And he was just a little fighter, hobber thief, and he was always getting into trouble, and it was always hysterical because my game master would always put me in the worst positions, and I went, all right, how can I make this funny? And so that started translating into comics, and so I started drawing those characters over the years, and I've been doing it ever since. And I have a comic called Dungeon Notes. Dungeon. It's on Facebook. You can just go, you know, Dungeon Notes on Facebook, and you can find all the little things. I also have a comic book for sale here for those who want a hard copy. And I just, I found this, this program called Flash. Uh, you know, remember Flash back in the yep. day, everyone was doing videos and doing, you know, <laughs> everybody remembers all those wonderful pre-meme things, right. like Badger, 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 <laughs> God kill me. But I loved the vectors, you know, and it was a lot easier to use than Illustrator, it was a lot more intuitive. So I started using that, and so all this artwork here, for the most part, is done with just Flash. There's a little bit of Photoshop in here, here and there, and there's some original marker art. But I just liked the way it made my cartoons feel, and so mm-hmm. I just started doing it and just started doing it and having fun. People start saying, hey, you should probably do some prints. Way back when, remember when I said I worked at Gopher Holes, I also started doing art. Um, they did the art auctions, and so I put things in, and that's how I kind of got started as a professional artist, okay. quote-unquote. And that's how I started end up doing box covers and stuff like that because people saw my work and wanted me to do that. And then I got into the video games. Well, I wanted to get back to that. I thought it would be really fun. So when I moved here to Arizona, I heard about a few of the smaller cons. I thought, man, that would be kind of fun to do that again. And so I started uh, doing the artwork. I had always had an idea for my studio to be called Chain Reaction Studios. Explosive ideas that keep coming and coming. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Stupid tagline. But I think it works. Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, So I just kind of tried to put a professional edge on it. And uh, I ended up just doing... A few pieces of first and just kind of build up. I've been doing it here for six years now. I've done a series of uh, playing cards called the Silly Macabre that I actually kickstarted. And I have those prints here, and that was well-received, and I've just been running ever since. So they're just regular playing cards, but, yeah. I mean, but with your art on it? Yeah. It's just not like a special game? Not a special game or anything. That's coming soon. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we might even have our own little micro uh, role-play game called Dungeon Notes. The role-playing game. The role-playing game. Inventive name, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all about branding, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to a special place. Anyway. Any uh, any hints on what the card game could be about? Well, it's not going to be strictly a card game, although I would love to do uh, a combat system using the card game, but it's going to be a D6 system. Okay. So the concept is, is you come to these uh, like conventions like this and you have the game tournaments, right? Mm -hmm. People are handed these big 20th level characters and they're out in the halls trying to figure out what to put on them and it takes them forever and then they go and then they die like 20 seconds. (laughs) And I thought, that's a lot of work. So uh, I had a friend many, many years ago did a game called Dinky Dungeons and the concept was is to roll two dice, that's your character, go play. And I borrowed from that. I've changed the mechanics, I've changed the uh, uh, everything internally but the concept is it's something that you roll up a character really quick couple of dice and you're playing in seconds 
and you know equipment all that's really easy and again it's going to be a game about the laugh not the drama oh so silly things will yes. happen like you know rake traps these are the most evil <laughs> traps in the game because you know goblins throw rakes throughout the hall thank you travis by the way <laughs> travis hansen who's an amazing artist unfortunately his son left a rake out in the garage uh-huh. and he stepped on it full force and oh. we've been teasing him ever since <laughs> And so I'm going to steal it and put it in my game. <laughs> you should. It should be called the Travis Trap. It is. It's called the TRT or the Travis Rake Trap. There you go. I love it. I love it. Okay, so then board games, comic books, video games, you know, illustrations, what, you know, what is it that, what's, what's ones that's, that's, I don't want to say fulfilled you the most, but which one have you just had the most joy doing? Well, of course, I enjoy everything I do because I always try to put something in my art that makes me giggle. Mm-hmm. I like actually doing box cover art quite a bit. Uh, I did a couple of covers for a company called Magic Meeple. Yeah, Magic Meeples, who are local here. And they had this game called Incoming Transmission. And I love them as a client because they say, Jeff, here's my idea. Have fun. <laughs> and I just go nuts, and they tend to like what I do. But I had so much fun because it was a space game. And I do you know, fantasy medieval, and I was just like, this is cool. This is different. And so I think I like the variety the most. That's what gives me passion about what I do. Or I go, I get this idea, and I start working it. And it's like, you know, that's not what I want. And then I find a medium that it works for, and suddenly it just explodes. Mm. And I find, oh, I can do this, and I can do this, and this. And I start drawing nuts. And I draw like 12 versions of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what, what, what has been a, a huge obstacle that you found in, in your career that you, you, you were surprised that you had to come across? As, a, as an artist, my surprise is how much people really enjoy the cartoons. I didn't think that you know people like that. But as a video game developer, um, the problems is that studios don't last too long. Mm. If you're at a studio, a startup studio, let me let me correct myself there. If you're at a startup studio, you're lucky to last two or three years. And so it's this roller coaster that's continually getting there and just trying to get through that. And you'll go, okay, how much do I invest in myself in here? But I'm a big cheerleader. I'm the first guy in, the last guy out. You have to burn the building down to get rid of me. I mean, I can see it. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I'm a little sedate, can you tell? (laughs) A little. Just a wee bit. So, I mean, as, as a professional video game developer, the big hurdles is just the unstableness of the industry. Now, if you get in like EA or places like that, obviously it's a lot more stable. Right. But even within those groups, you know, you have layoffs and cuts and things like that. And so it's very much like the film industry where you have the mentality, we're going to put a team together to do this project or two. But it is assumed that members of that team or the whole team will disband and go off to do other things. And so you have a large community. Everybody knows everybody. So... I think that the ups and downs and, and the uncertainty of how long you're going to be in one spot is the big problem that I've always had. No, oh, okay. So it's it's not quite the answer you were looking no, for. No, but it's but a good <laughs> answer. I like it. Um, coming coming to cons all these years. I mean, first as you know, as a fan, and then as a professional. Like, how have you felt about the way that the the community has just gotten bigger? I love it. So I'm older than dirt, <laughs> as you said. And so when I got into playing D and D. You know, that was weird stuff. It was really, oh, you're, you're weird. We don't have anything to do with you. are that nerdy kid. Oh, God, you know. So I became very outgoing as a result. You know, accept me, please, please accept me. 
but about 93 or so, I guess, Magic the Gathering came out and exploded onto the scene, which made what we do here more mainstream. And then it was followed up by uh, Wizard, uh, WoW. So that exploded. And I think, by the way, I think it's particularly hysterical that TSR was bought by Wizards of the Coast, and Wizards of the Coast was bought by uh, Hasbro, I believe. Was it? I think, or, or one of those guys who were the ones who were totally against okay. D&D when I was a kid. And I think that's really ironic. <laughs> now they're promoting the crap well, yeah. out of it. Yeah, that's their brand butter. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> but that just shows how mainstream this has become. And so going to conventions back when I started off and the types of people there were mostly just gamers and the uber hardcore nerds. And there wasn't a lot of cosplay. In fact, cosplay wasn't even a thing. Just people would dress up, yes. Yes. But it wasn't known as cosplay. Right. So now that it's become more popularized, I see a younger audience, I see a more varied audience, and you see a more varied, well, geekness. I mean, everyone's got their geek, and they'll come here and display it, and that's been the biggest joy. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing I don't like being in a booth is I don't get to wander around as much. Yeah, I get that. I, get I don't, that. don't get to go to the panels as much, <laughs> so everyone has to come to me, so I only see what comes by my booth. But it's still been a joy, mm -hmm. and I love how more encompassing this community has become within itself and how the world has become more accepting of this nerdy thing yeah in general i mean it's not there yet but it's a lot better than it was so then as uh coming as a professional as yeah. opposed to coming as a fan uh the biggest difference other than not being able to go to walk around i'm trying to make money instead of spend money yeah okay <laughs> makes sense there there is a lot to running a booth i mean there's infrastructure you know simple things like stands and tables and stuff like that but then you've also got prints prints weigh a lot <laughs> and they're heavy yeah and i'm an idiot and brought way too much in this particular case <laughs> so i've got to put it all in a very small car which is the other problem so yeah uh dealing with the infrastructure and dealing with setups and stuff like that is a hassle but it's also kind of a joy because i don't know you're kind of down here in the hall when there is no one else down here in the hall and it's just you and the vendors mm -hmm. and you start making friends and you get a camaraderie so that's a plus but I think the thing I really do miss is being able to just willy-nilly wander around, but then as an artist and as a vendor, having people come in and appreciate what I do, even if they don't buy anything, just the fact that, hey, that's neat or that's cool, just kind of feeds my soul, mm -hmm. makes me want to go back into the studio and make more. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's a good thing. What, what's, what, what other things motivate you when you when you're want to get back in the studio? Well, usually when I come to a con, I go running around seeing when I get a chance cause before it opens. Right. I'll run around and see what everyone's doing. And there's always this neat idea. You know, like, ooh, that's kind of cool. I want to do a variation on that or mm -hmm. I want to do that. So my big thing is is I will not do other people's IP, which makes it difficult when you're at a com comic convention. True. Because the people are here are wanting to find their favorite hero, mm -hmm. their favorite character, this, that, and the other thing. But I can't afford licenses, and I'm a big fan of, if you're going to do someone's stuff, pay the them license. for it. Yeah. You know, and that's not always the case. And there is a gray line between fan art and, you know, and ripping someone off. Right. I think if you make more than a third of your income from somebody else's IP, you should probably pay for that IP. Yeah. But if you're just a fan, you got a few pieces that you just want to show off your your spin on it, that's pretty okay. Especially when people are starting out. I always yeah. encourage people, draw what you love, and usually that's like these characters. Uh, so all my stuff is original, and that does kind of make it a little bit difficult. But when people 
uh, have a really great idea or I see an idea on a, on a, on a t-shirt, I go, oh, I have a spin on that in my head and I can make it original. That really motivates me. So going to these shows, when I come home, I'm like on this major coffee buzz. I'm like, oh, I got so much to do. And then about six weeks later, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so we on this podcast we like to talk about what geek, what we like to geek out about. Ooh. We've gone through a lot with you so far. Uh-huh. He's talked about uh, Renaissance fairs and video games and stuff like that. But what is it when you're not creating that you love to just either sit down and watch or sit down and listen to or play? Ooh, the list is long. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm a Stargate nerd. Oh really? Well, okay. I need to tell a very long story here, and I'm sorry. No. Uh, but right when I worked at Bethesda Softworks. Back in 92-93, we got an opportunity to do a game based on a movie. And so our uppers said, Here, here's a script, read it, see if it's any good. It was the original Stargate movie. Oh. Which, by the way, I still have that script. It's the second draft of wow. the original movie. I went, that's pretty cool. We said, that's pretty cool. We want to do it. And then our uppers went, nah, let's pass on it. We're like, all right. Chris, you're an idiot. Oh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> that was shot in our hometown, Yuma. Was it really? Yeah. How cool is that? Well, Glamis, the sand dunes, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I had a few friends that were actually in it, you know, in nice. different extra makeup and stuff like that, but it's, uh, it was an, in, it's an interesting experience. See, that's, that's a cool circle there. Now, yeah. See, I'm glad we discovered that, because I'm finding Stargate has been a binding force in my life ever since that moment. So, years later... I'm teaching at the university, like I said. I decided I, you can only teach what you know, so I needed to get back into the industry. And I was just talking to some of my students that had gotten out and said, hey, what are you guys up to? And one guy said, well, I can't tell you what I'm working on. All I can say is cowboys, steampunk, and zombies. And I went, sign me up. <laughs> Turns out it was to do the MMO for Deadlands done by Shane Hensley. Oh, wow. And I got to work with Shane. And we came to a company called Cheyenne Mountain. No, not sure. Well, uh, Superstition Studios, mm-hmm. which was owned by Cheyenne Mountain Entertainment. Okay. They were doing Stargate Worlds. Ah. Now, a lot of bad things happened. I'm not <laughs> going to go into it. But long story short is we ended up getting pulled into uh, working on that, and then things were going down the drain. But we did manage to make a game called Stargate Resistance. And what I have learned is there's no fan... There's no zealot like a Stargate fan. <laughs> These guys are amazing. And I actually have people, whenever I change companies, will, if that company has a forum, will show up on the forum mm. just to follow various members of the Stargate team. And that's kind of flattering and, yeah. and, and disturbing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love these guys. They're amazing. But there is no zealot like a Stargate fan, which I totally understand because I love watching SG-1. Yeah. I love the whole series. We could have a whole podcast debating <laughs> that whole mess that yep. was at the end called Universe. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I tend to watch a lot of shows, um, but I'm a, also a miniatures guy. I like to paint miniatures, oh, and yeah. I like to build buildings. In fact, I have another uh, Facebook page called the 28mm Build, where I build um, buildings for Warhammer or Dungeons & Dragons out of... Um, the original one was Popsicle Six, but I started using coffee stir sticks, the wooden ones. Oh, okay. And then I got into 3D printing, and I found out how to make uh, herringbone brick patterns. And nice. so now I have a Tudor cottage, and I've got <laughs> pictures of all this stuff on there. So I like building structures because I'm a level designer, and right. I'm a modeler. Mm-hmm. So I still do the things I just love. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the same thing, different uh, medium. Different medium, yeah. <laughs> so 
one piece of advice you could give to someone up and coming in graphic design or illustration or model building or anything like that? Okay. One piece of advice that was given to me in high school okay. was never give up your art. Okay. Never give up your art. It doesn't matter what that art is, and everything can be an art form. You could be a ditch digger and be an artist. If you take pride in how, let's say, straight and your, your ditches are and how your corners are sharp, whatever, everything can be an art form. So never give up your art. Now, for people who want to get into the video game industry, you have to be passionate, you have to be driven, and you have to be dedicated. And what I tell people is, if there is any doubt in your mind whatsoever that this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, go find something else to do. And here's why. I was at a conference of video game. It's like, hey, industry, meet people, people who want to get into the industry. Here's industry. And they had a panel of like 12 grizzled old, you know, veterans, people <laughs> who I admired and loved and know. And they said, hey, veterans, tell them stuff about the video game industry. And at the time, I had been in for like 12 years or so. And these guys opened up with a litany of horror stories, <laughs> absolute horror stories of things that went wrong and, and companies closing and just, just stupid stuff. But then, I mean, even then I was like, I need another job. Oh, my God. But then they started telling the rewarding end of the story and, and, and how fans had come to them and told them their stories and just, just the, the rewards of having something shipped and having people enjoy what they've done. So what I did is I walked away from that going being a video game developer will absolutely positively be the worst experience of your life and you will love every <laughs> second of it so if you don't have that passion and that dedication that's going to be a lot of work for nothing mm -hmm. but you do have to be really driven so my advice is never give up and be willing to put in the work because it will be awesome uh do you want to give out some more of your social media I didn't hear you. Did you want to get out more of your social media? Uh, uh, well, I'm uh, on uh, Jeff Perryman. You can find me on Facebook. Chain Reaction Studios is also on Facebook along with Dungeon Notes and the 28mm. It's like I said, I do have a Instagram for Dungeon Notes. It's called the Dungeon Notes or Dungeon Notes as well as the 28mm. I'm kind of consistent. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a website running it right now. I've, it's down. I've got to do an overhaul. So, uh, and then somebody took my 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 uh, URL. I'm like, who wants JeffPerryman.com? Wow. Seriously? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I got to buy that back. <sighs> I let it lapse. I know I'm a bad man. But uh, yeah, you can reach out and get me easily on Facebook uh, through any one of those different sites. It sounds great. So this is Minch with Jeff Perryman on the con floor of Fan Fusion 2019, saying, "Always remember to geek, geek out." This concludes our broadcast. Beep.